Well, I know uh, we, uh, we are in uncertain times, and things are incredibly challenging some days. Um, and so uh, this right here is my Corona fun. I've just decided to claim some joy by making the largest mutton chops out of my sideburns that I possibly could. Well, thank you. And uh, to wear them in front of you to prove that there is still fun in the world and that you can still be a good time. No, I did not time travel this week to the 70s and come back, though some of you thought I did. All right? My wife was more embarrassed than I was that she knew I was going to wear this this morning. I'm just not going to lie. All right? So... That being said, can we just be a little lighthearted today? Can we just have some fun? I mean, I look like this already. It's going to be distracting enough, all right? Can we just decide today that we're going to step into eh, a topic and some things that are probably going to be a little uncomfortable at times, maybe a little bit frustrating, maybe a little bit infuriating, um, because the whole world sometimes right now seems like it's one big conversation that can lead to a tinderbox of explosions, right? So... That being said today, I want to take a break from John just for a week. We're going to jump back in. We're going to pedal through the kind of the month of August, and then we're going to take a break and, and actually start a new series in the month of September. But I wanted to take a break today and stop. And the title of my sermon today is called Stuck. Just call. I want you to know when I've spent time with individuals in the limited time that we've had, there's this feeling of just not knowing the next step. You know, not knowing what's coming, not knowing exactly what to do, and, and there's this feeling of just being a little bit stuck. You miss the opportunity, you don't want to be too hesitant, but you don't want to be reckless, and, and there's just this feeling of like we're just in this like stuck spot until something breaks, something changes. And so, knowing that, uh, I wanted to kind of paraphrase it in a couple small questions, and maybe you'll find yourself in some way, shape, or form in these questions. So here's the, just the two small ones. What's the next step? Where do we go from here? All right? What's the next step? Where do we go from here? And I'm not talking about, like, as a church. I'm talking more individual, all right? I'm not talking about, like, vision for our church or where we're going. You guys know we're about full life here. You know we have some values. You know we are about everybody finding full life in Christ. But I'm more saying, like, you individually. Like, how do you get unstuck? What's the next step? Where do we go? What's, what's the plan? And so uh, I looked in this little book the Bible. And uh, I, I just started to pick out a couple thoughts on the idea of like finding a path or finding a way. And so I found Proverbs. It's like one of those easy, fun little passages, right? Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. It says this, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways submit to him and he will make your paths straight. I'm like, Awesome. That's a great little verse, isn't it? You're like, that's a good one. I, I like that one. Then I found Psalm 23, right? These are just big ones, big ones that you just can kind of cling to, right? Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not fear evil. If you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. 
And surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. When I hear those, God will make my path straight. He will lead me to the right paths. He has a plan and a future. That is awesome. So what I hear is straight paths and right paths, right? That's what I hear in my mind, straight paths and right paths. Like, that's what I want. I want, I want it to be clear. You know, I don't want windy stuff, and I want it to be right. <laughs> I want to know that what I'm doing is right. So I want straight paths, and I want right paths. I, I want to know where I'm going is clear, straightforward, not all around the bend, not a blind thing. That's what I want. So then we have to ask the question, do I feel like that's where I'm at? Do I feel like that's what I'm seeing in myself and in my soul? Do I feel like that's what I'm like, you know, like observing in the people around me? And I have to tell you, I'm not. I don't feel like this is what I feel. I don't feel like that's what I see people around me. For the most part, maybe you're an exception, but what I see a lot of is people stuck, including myself. And, and it's really just two emotions, if I can be really honest. Just these two emotions win the day. And I'm not saying that just these emotions. There could be variations on these. But it really is just these two emotions of anxiety and anger. You felt that this week? Maybe at the same time? You're anxious about something, and then you're angry about something else. Now, I was listening to a podcast this week by Dr. Henry, Henry Cloud. He wrote a book called Boundaries years ago, fantastic book on relationships, and how to have good, trusting relationships, not to put yourself in a place where you're dependent on someone else and not to let them control your emotions or your outcomes or your actions. Fantastic book. And in the podcast, he said the same thing that I was feeling. He, he talked about how we can get stuck in feeling anger and anxiety. So that's so what I want to ask you. Are you stuck Am I stuck on a path of anxiety or anger? Am I stuck on that path? Do I feel it? Does it take one phrase to just throw me in a camp? Does it take one little spark right now and I can just feel myself just kind of go, does it take one little thing? Do you feel that stickiness, that stuckness? where you're at. So he said, and I loved it, and this isn't everything I'm going to talk about, but man, this could be a healthy tool for you. He talked about how all the creative sides of your brain, they're amazing. They, they problem solve. You dream. You find hope. You, you get excited. You get joyful. You, you pursue the things that, that bring you joy and fulfillment. They get shut down when you feel anxious or angry and you just live there. When you live in that place of either of those two emotions, literally parts of your brain are incapable of operating as they're supposed to. Just doesn't work. So he said there's, there's three little P's that he likes to help people find that help them know whether or not they are stuck in these emotions. Whether they're stuck in a place of anxiety or anger. So these are the three little Ps. Walk with me here. Three little Ps. The first one is this. You, you might be stuck if it's personal, pervasive, and permanent. 
So I'm going to walk through this with you. Personal is you do the what ifs and I should have all about yourself all day long. Oh, if I would have, if I should have, I shouldn't have done that. If I had just done this, if I'd have just made this different choice, if I'd have just done that differently, if I'd have just said this in that moment, I'd have got him. You know, if I'd have just had that comeback, if I'd have just had that ready answer, oh, I could have stuck it to him. But you, you do that constantly in your day. You're reevaluating, and it's all this personal, internal reevaluating of your decisions in just this really psychologically cycle way. Second, it's, it's pervasive. The easiest way is like, our city is losing our mind, our state is losing our mind. Our country is losing their mind. The known world is losing its mind. The universe is gone. See how this just goes to the ends of the earth. Your conversations with anxiety, your internal conversations with anger, don't just start with like, gosh, my kids made a tour. You know who else made that Taco Bell employee? You know who else made a poor choice? Our governor. You else made a poor choice? And you just take it and you just blow it up. And it just flows into every area of your life. And it just bleeds pervasively and everything. And the last thing is it's permanent. There is no hope. You work hard and then you die. That is this world, right? That's it. There's no hope, no change. It's over. Now, for most of us, when we break that down like that, we very quickly go like, yeah, that would be a terrible way to live your life. That would be a very stuck way to live your life. But for most of us, we, we, I hate to say it, I find myself here. I don't like it. I don't like that I'm just, I, I can literally make, like, can you imagine if I'm the reason all the things are going wrong in the world right now? Imagine if you just wore that for a day. That would make you horribly stuck. I am not that powerful. You are not that powerful. I'm sorry. Your decisions don't have that much way. Yes, you can be a part of it. Sole reason. (laughs) All right? I just don't think so. Second, pervasive. Man, blanket statements are my favorite, right? We just take something and just lay it over the whole world. Like a guy with chops trying to preach. You You can't do it. Doesn't work. Permanent. And if there's anything age teaches us is that things change. Things change. Doesn't mean you get to control it. Doesn't mean you get to tell it what it's going to be. But I'm just saying so few things in this world, even good things, are permanent. It's good to think through. So after I thought about this, Dr. Cloud's kind of assessment, I thought about what it would look like to get unstuck. I went, okay, how does, how does the Bible handle this? How does Paul, how does Paul handle this? Because he had some pretty tough times. And I thought of Romans 5. And if you don't know the, the kind of the process of Romans 5, uh, the process of Romans 5 is kind of the, Paul's answer to getting unstuck. Paul's answer is like, okay, so I've identified if I have these three Ps in my life that I need to work on some things, how do I get unstuck? How do I, how do I start moving towards not letting my mind dwell here, not letting it be personal, pervasive, and just permanent in, this, in these two emotions or in my thoughts. And here's what he says in Romans 5, and I think it's fantastic. He's just laid out the case for Christ. He's just laid out the case for faith and the need for Jesus. And in Romans 5, 
One, it says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith to this grace, into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Look at that, pause real quick. The hope is the glory of God. Don't miss that. Next verse. Not only so, but also the glory in our suffering. Pause. What? <laughs> I, when I read this the first time this week, I knew what's coming next. This little thing right here is the thing that I'm, I'm going to just land on right here. Suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, character hope. That's awesome. Like you can stick that on a coffee mug, right? And you're like, yes. This part, the hope of the cross and the salvation of Christ, which is the end of the last verse, and then this. And also the glory in our suffering. I don't feel glory right now. I feel anxiety and anger. I don't feel any glory. I don't feel any glory at all. What in the heck? I mean, that just kind of gives us. Because then he goes, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Man, one of my favorite words this year. Perseverance. Perseverance. Perseverance and character and character hope. And you're like, awesome. So if I get good enough, I'll have some hope. That's what I read that until you read the next verses. So pause. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, has, who he has given to us. So pause real quick. When I read that the first time through, character provides hope, I read this. Our character or lack of character should be our shame. It should be our shame, Right? Our character, our lack of character should be our shame because that's what he ends this section with. The last verse is this. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Our hope does not put us to shame. What does that mean? That means this. Your character has limits to providing hope in your life. Your actions, your control has limits. In fact, Isaiah pointed this out. The book of Isaiah is brilliant. It's an incredible blessing. It's so cool to see Jesus prophesied hundreds of years before he ever shows up in a very servant way, in a humble way, he is going to be the Messiah. But this is Isaiah's words talking about us. He says this, All of us became like one who is unclean. Our righteous acts are filthy rags. You're all shriveled up like a leaf, like the wind. Our sins sweep us away. So then I'm like, okay, so suffering leads to perseverance, which leads to character, which leads to hope. How is this bringing glory? I, that's why I feel stuck. I feel like a dirty rag. My best efforts just seem to just be carrying me away. Nothing seems to work. How do we get unstuck? Feel this. And it's it's such a it's such a subtle twist. It's such a subtle switch in thinking. Because we're tempted, aren't we? Aren't we tempted to just look at our lives and justify our opinions, our actions, our feelings? Aren't we just tempted to just go, look, I'm doing everything right by my own standards. I should be guilt-free. And this verse is like, no. If you did that, you'd be shamed. If you just judged your life by that, you'd be shamed. But there's a switch at the end of this that is the hope you and I live in. 
you might have missed it. The end of verse 5 in Romans, go back there, Sam, for me. In verse 5, it says this, and the hope does not put us to shame. Why does it not put us to shame then if Isaiah says it should? Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through what? The Holy Spirit. Something shifted in the conversation. Here's the thought. But instead of our character as proof of the Holy Spirit at work in us, our character should be our shame, but instead our character is proof of the Holy Spirit at work in us. Our character doesn't justify or give us the hope. Our character proves the work of Christ that is our hope. Does that make sense? It's a completely different way to think. Your good works, your good thoughts, the things you're working on are not proof of your goodness. They're continued proof of God's goodness. Of his work in you, through you. That's where the glory of suffering comes in. Just like the glory of Christ on the cross, when you suffer well, does not provide you salvation. That's faith through Christ, but it proves his work of the Holy Spirit. Now that is a different kind of confidence. So how do we know if the Holy Spirit is at work? What does character even look like? We're supposed to show this proof of character of the Holy Spirit. How do we know what this character looks like? Good question. How, how do we know what this character looks like? If it's proof of the Holy Spirit, I want proof of the Holy Spirit in my life. Don't you? I do. That's the glory we're supposed to live in. If that's how the process works, suffering, perseverance, character into hope, and that's where the hope of the, of the cross and the hope of of the Holy Spirit meet, and that's the glory we're supposed to live in, get unstuck? How do we find it? Glad you asked. Matthew 22, 36 through 40. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? You're looking for the best way to define your character. You're looking for the, the, the breakdown, what a good person looks like. Look no further. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. At that point, everybody thought, Oh, good job. He's awesome. Way to go, Jesus. But he's not done. And the second is like it Love your neighbor as yourself. And then, as if they're like, Okay, Leviticus. That was a little off the rails. Those were attached to each other. Not sure how to feel about that. Then he gives them the haymaker. All the law and the prophets, including Isaiah, hang on these two commandments. Everything else in your life, every other rule hangs from these two clings to these two. Think of it like a vine. Vine, these two branches connect everything else. Without these two, nothing else 
connects. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. This is what the Holy Spirit came to do. This is what the Holy Spirit is all about. We can debate about other things that you may have been taught. You may debate about the complexities of the role of the triune God and the Holy Spirit. I can tell you without any hesitation, with 100% certainty, the Holy Spirit is all about this. And everything else connects to it. So how do you know the Holy Spirit is at work in your life? Let's use this criteria. Let's use that question. Let's use the criteria of the two greatest commandments and then ask this question. I'll give you three thoughts. Three ways you'd identify it. The Spirit is at work. One, supernaturally, if you supernaturally rely on and trust in God. I'm putting supernaturally in front because I think some of you thought relying and trusting on God would be easy and then 2020 came. For some of us, I I haven't had a single conversation with a believer, no matter if they've been a believer for 50 years or five minutes, that went, oh, I saw this coming and I know exactly what to do. And I mean, I made a lot of phone calls, guys. (laughs) I'm trying to seek out some wisdom. It's like when Moses died and then Joshua's got to lead the people into the promised land. Everybody's looking around at Joshua like, you know what to do? And he's like, I have never been here either. I don't know. Relying on and trusting in God is a supernatural act. It it feels so simple. It feels like it should be something that's so easy. And I know this. There are parts of my my soul, there are parts of my walk with Christ that that do feel like I do this on a daily basis. When I walked to Taco Bell yesterday and I was holding the hand of my six-year-old, the utmost trust that he has in me, he doesn't look for cars. He doesn't look, he doesn't ask if we have money. He doesn't even know what the menu is. And he's just happy to be there clinging to my hand, trusting that I have what he needs to do what we're going to do. That doesn't mean he gets to play dead, limp fish, and get drugged by me. Doesn't mean that he gets to cry about it the whole time because his expectations aren't met. But children are so good fully trusting. And I would say it's a supernatural thing. We have a little responsibility when we have some things in our life that we know are out of our control that we cannot change. And I will tell you, to put your faith in God, to trust in Him, that is a supernatural act if you truly do it in your heart. Submit as Proverbs said, and he will make your path straight. 
How about the number two? Supernaturally, love the people right in front of you. You know how hard this is these days? I went to a taco shop in Monette with a person in our church that will remain unnamed. We about got in a shouting match over politics in the middle of a restaurant. And I don't have a strong opinion about politics. Other than I literally looked at the guy when he wanted to know my opinion and I said, I belong to a kingdom that is not of this world and a man that walked on this earth died and was rose to the grave and I'm waiting for him to come back and nobody else. He didn't like that answer a whole lot because he felt like I was dodging a bullet. I felt like I was making my case clear. (laughs) The social anxiety that is creeping into our daily life is palpable. You don't want to go anywhere with anybody you don't know because you're afraid what's going to happen. You're afraid what they're going to say, what article they're going to show you, what video they're going to put in front of you, what statistic they're going to quote, why and who and where and what November is going to look like, and everything that's... I'm telling you, it's crazy. It literally gives me anxiety. I get into a room with a bunch of people, I'm like, oh, no. What's going to happen? They're going to say it. And there's a group of people in here that are like, bring it on. And there's a group of people in here like, I will live alone for the rest of my life. That's just how it's going to be. Supernaturally through the Holy Spirit, please. Love the people right in front of you. Love them. Before you know what they believe. Before their opinions chase away the Holy Spirit that is in you. Be kind. Be gentle. Be truthful. But have an equal part of grace. This is a supernatural act. I myself am not a naturally conflict person. I naturally run from it, if I can at all help it. But I promise you this. There are a person who wants to stand up and go, you moron. I just do. It is a supernatural thing. This is the work of the Holy Spirit in you to do this well. Your attempts are filthy rags. My attempts are filthy rags. They are so far from how Christ would do it unless we engage the Holy Spirit. Unless we let him calm our tempers, give us words, calm our anxiety. And let us step in, not with all the answers, but with his love for the people right in front of us. Notice I didn't say online. Stay away from that right now. Can you? Just a little bit. Just take a break, all right? Check in like once a week. Get the new numbers. See what's burning. Then just go back to loving the people right in front of you. Day to day. Make the phone call. Text the person, you know their name and their story. Engage the people God's put in your life intentionally. Love them. People right in front of you. Lastly, this is the one that you and I, we need to work on because this is the community, this is the church. Supernaturally receive the love of God from the people around you. 
God works through his other important children, his other important brothers and sisters in Christ that you are with right now and are in your life that are walkers of the way that pursue Christ and they have the Holy Spirit in them and they can be messengers to you of encouragement, bringers of love, of patience, of kindness, and so quickly we brush it away and we forget that, that is, those are bearers of Christ. Those are bearers of the Holy Spirit that are interacting with you and their words and their uplifting compliments or encouragements or prayers are absolutely the love of God flowing into your life. And this day and age, I'm telling you, we want to isolate. We don't want to open up. We don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want to let ourselves be known. And I'm telling you, God is trying to surround you with a community of people that would know you, know you well, and love you anyways. There is nothing more powerful than being fully known and fully loved at the same time. Nothing more powerful. That is the cross. supernaturally receive this. It may look like a compliment to somebody else, but you seek God's words. It may just look like a text, but it's really a message from God to your heart to get you unstuck to feel the love of a father, of a loving God. It's supernatural to see it. That words written years and years and years ago that we talk about speak the love of God still. How come we can't see it in the people around us through the Holy Spirit? It's real. So let me bring you back to it. You ready? Straight paths. You want to know the right paths. Supernaturally rely on and trust in God. Love the people straight in front of you. And let the fuel of his love through those around you be the thing that carries you on. Straight paths, right paths. What if? What if Psalm 23 is just true? As I've learned that shepherds walk in front of you. They don't walk behind you and Though some of us need it from time to time. They walk in front of you and they call you. You're the sheep. You're the child. God. When I read Psalm 23 and when I read Proverbs 3, what I hear is a God who walked into the most difficult suffering of all time and then calls us to trust that there is hope in it. Regardless of our circumstances. Regardless how the world changes, you don't have enough power to undo personally the work of the cross. It is pervasive in its grace and truth, and it permeates every part of this world, no matter how far you think sin has won or how far and deep your anxiety would take you. And it is permanent. It can never be changed. That's a straight path. That's the right path. May we walk in it supernaturally, trusting in God, loving the people right in front of us and hearing his voice through those he surrounds us with. That's how you get unstuck.